Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Depths of Music podcast. My name is Nick, and today we are taking a look at Olivia Rodrigo's sophomore album, Guts. Olivia has been in the industry for a very long time, longer than her mainstream pop success may lead you to believe, playing a key role on Disney's high school musical, The Musical, uh, which is one of, if not the worst titled TV shows of all time. There's no reason the musical has to be in that title twice. Then again, I really can't speak to it because I have not seen it. Uh, but she joins Miley Cyrus, Demi Lovato, and Selena Gomez as another Disney star-turned-pop sensation. She broke into the pop world with her single driver's license in 2021, a dramatic teenage angsty breakup ballad. She follows this with the smash hit with her debut album, Sour, which quickly becomes one of the most important albums of that year, and if I can say, so far, maybe this decade. Sour is a uncomfortably earnest album that feels like reading Olivia's tear-stained diary about this breakup in all of the best and worst ways. While I feel the album's songwriting gets a little repetitive and dull, and the ballad focus um, of most of the tracks wears pretty thin, I still thought Sour was a decent record. Olivia became one of the artists, however, that defined 2021, and while she lay mostly dormant for 2022, I feel like most of us knew it was only a matter of time before Olivia returned with another record, this time to prove she's here to stay. Another part of this story, however, is that while Olivia Rodrigo was inspired to create a chart-dominating album and become the next teen superstar, a far less important teenager was mulling around in Charlotte, North Carolina, trying to find a place to scream his opinions on music without becoming insufferable, or even more so, to everyone else around him. That person, of course, is me. Um, you can tell I'm the podcaster by A, the fact you're listening to this on a podcasting platform, B, that I just spent that last tangent referring to myself in the third person, uh, which no one should ever do, but alas, here we are. Um, but yeah, I decided to finally jump into the conversation around music when Olivia Rodrigo's Sour came out, and thus Sour was the first ever episode of the Depths of Music podcast, making this kind of feel like a full circle moment for this little show that I've been really excited for. Olivia has two more years of experience behind her, but so do I. So without further ado, let's dive into Sour. I totally said the wrong fucking album. Without further ado, let's dive into Guts. Quiet plucked guitars open all-American bitch as the song gradually adds more instruments. It becomes much more lush before stopping on a dime and going right into the pop-punk chorus. This back and forth from verse to chorus is the main musical gimmick of this song. For the bridge, we get Olivia screaming, you know, full-blown guitar solo here. And her screaming's not like a black metal scream or anything. Um, she's screaming like a normal person, which makes sense uh, for the tone the track is going for. But definitely still not something I expected to hear on track one. The track has the kind of same type of mix of rock-based... Um, the track has a very similar mix 
um, that a lot of rock-based modern pop songs have, similar to something like Happier Than Ever by Billie Eilish, uh, where there's so much overblown distortion and static, which sounds fine, um, and it's appropriate for chaotic songs like this, but objectively, it's not the world's cleanest or best mix. And while I think the instrumental for All American Bitch is great, what really has me excited is these lyrics, um, because the lyrics were the thing I was probably the most interested in going into this record, considering that was kind of where me and a lot of other people kind of deviated our opinions on this record, uh, or on our previous record. Sour to me, personally, I, while I liked how open Olivia was and how like, kind of her vulnerability was part of the charm of that record. It was just kind of lost on me as I heard song and song and song about this breakup that she was going through. I felt that it was getting a little too repetitive and she was not doing as great of a job of articulating different points of this situation in a way that made me as a listener and somebody generally who was before this point uninvested in her life actually interested in this situation and the music. But I'm happy to report that this song is a huge step up. Um, this is not a breakup track, which I don't have any problems with breakup tracks. Uh, there's going to be quite a bit on this record. Um, but Olivia is describing herself as this like perfect all-American feminine stereotype, uh, and it's done really well. The Coca-Cola bottles just to curl my hair is probably one of the best lyrics she's written ever. Um, I like it. It's a fun play on Coke being an icon of American culture, but you can't drink it because women can't consume unhealthy things because there's this extremely toxic weight standard um, with everybody, but especially with women. In American pop culture so I think that's a really well utilized analogy on this song um, Olivia is a pop star everybody knows that but sometimes people forget she's an actress I brought the high school musical thing up not only to give you some context about Olivia if you didn't know her already but because that's a in my opinion a very important part of her persona and her delivery is because she can act really well she makes the verses sound really genuine before the rock chorus kind of allows her to trade that in for more sarcasm. While the song never actually says all of these things are double standards and they suck and I hate them, the tone of the music and Olivia's delivery make this abundantly clear without her having to go out and just say it. Considering the pop-punk moments of Sour, like Good For You, and that album's opener, Brutal, were highlights on the record for me, it's really promising to see All-American Bitch meet and, in my opinion, exceed the bar set by those songs. Bad Idea Right is the second single from the record, um, along with its second track. While All-American Bitch was the album's rock opener, Bad Idea Right, as the second single was, for a lot of people, actually their first taste of the rock side of this record. I do like the way that the guitar and bass trade off the main riff that drives this track. Sonically, this one hits a little less hard than All American Bitch. The best comparison is Girlfriend by Avril Lavigne. 
just a simple Google search proves two things. Number one, Olivia loves Avril, inviting her to sing Complicated on stage. And number two, I am not the first person to make this comparison. The whole, hey, hey, you, you, I can be your girlfriend has a very similar cheerleader-esque cadence to, yes, I know that he's my ex, but can't two people reconnect? It's very, like, staccato, I guess, in a way, uh, if I'm going to bring out the big boy music terms. Um, and it's really, it's a, it's a pretty simple rhythm, but it's very easy to get stuck in your head. I use a cheerleader comment because that's what it reminds me of. It reminds me of a cheerleader chant. Um, and both of these songs, um, Girlfriend by Avril Lavigne and um, Bad Idea right by Olivia Rodrigo, both remind me of kind of the most iconic cheerleader-inspired song, Mickey by Tony Basil. If you just sing all of those choruses in your head back to back, they match up really well. And even though they have, obviously, it's not the same rhythm, they have kind of all the same vibe to them. But, yeah, I think Olivia's kind of very simple rhyme scheme and these pretty rudimentary verses, um, where she's mostly just talking through it, uh, not singing as much, add a good sense of immaturity to the song, uh, considering it's about making terrible decisions. Uh, lyrically, I don't think it's as good as the last song, but I do really like the premise. Uh, it's the classic, I still want them even though they're the worst, and Olivia kind of telling this as she's kind of rambling on and on and on about this in a sort of less constructive way um, is cool because that's like how you would get told this kind of story in real life. Um, also, I want to make a note. Um, the line, my brain said stop, but I can't, uh, plus the track actually stopping is not funny, and I, I, I need artists to stop thinking they are, like, the most original person in the world when they do this shit. Um, but that's hand to decide. Um, the song is pretty simple and kind of repetitive, but the more I listen to it, the more it started to grow on me. Olivia's softer background vocals are also a prime example of how dynamic and talented she is as a singer, as those are very soft and very pretty compared to the more um, upbeat, not aggressive, but more excited delivery on the rest of the song. The cheerleader factor, as I've referred to it, of this chorus, which is the song in your head, whether you like it or not. Maybe I've just heard it so much that I've learned to like it, but Bad Idea Right, I think, is a pretty solid track. The lead single, Vampire, is up next, and I'll give Olivia props for dropping this as the first taste of the song, of Guts, because this song is weird. It's got a weird structure, and it builds in ways that I definitely was not expecting. It kind of deviates a lot from, like, the standard structure of a pop song, which Olivia mostly sticks to on this record. I was not a big fan of it at the time of release, and while I've grown to appreciate it more, I still think it's one of the weaker tracks on this record. For me, while I can appreciate the divergence and the risk she takes with the song structure, I do find it generally unsatisfying. There's some really catchy melody leading up to the chorus, uh, but I think the instrumental after 
bleeding me dry like a goddamn vampire just kills a lot of the track's momentum. Uh, lyrically, Fame Fucker is probably the biggest L Olivia takes on this entire record. Um, it's just a really awkward line. Um, and even some of the censored versions uh, that she recorded, I think, make a little bit more sense than this. I think some of the vampire references are silly, um, but with that context, the kind of sold me for parts line also just doesn't really make a lot of sense here. Um, maybe it's something that makes more sense if you know the context of who this is about, which Olivia has kind of refused to elaborate on, and there's a lot of speculation about like who this person specifically is that she's referring to. Um, so I didn't include a lot about that um, because we honestly really don't know. But overall, I think the pre-chorus and the bridge of this song are fantastic, but they can't really save the whole track from kind of being a mixed bag. Uh, shout out to Olivia for kind of taking a risk with this one, and even though I think it kind of falls a little bit on its face, I definitely respect what she's doing here. It's still one of the weaker tracks of the record for me. Lacey is a really interesting song from a lyrical angle. Olivia is wrestling with envy for this girl in a way that, like, there's no way this is 100% heterosexual. I'm sorry. I know I don't know Olivia personally. I don't know if she's ever going to listen to this. Um, but there's some really interesting undertones in this song. Uh, the vinyl version of God's, and I think a lot of the other physical releases, but I know I saw it on the vinyl version. I don't have it yet, but um, includes a bonus track um, about being obsessed with your boyfriend's ex. And that kind of goes on the same theme as this, where you have this dichotomy of, I'm really jealous of this person, but it's also because of how highly I think of them. So you're like angry at them, but you're also a little bit in love with them. And it's really interesting um, and not something I was expecting from this record. I would love to see her do more of this because besides for that bonus track, um, this is all we see of it on Guts. And while we've seen her jealous on Sour and her kind of self-worth issues that lead to that jealousy, our clearest day on the rest of the record, how those two kind of play into each other is something I'd really like to see more of in the future. Olivia does a great job at describing Lacey while also bouncing back and forth between this envy and this admiration. Instrumentally, this acoustic song is mostly driven by guitar, and it's not one of the trackless more standout moments. However, it's all right, um, but without the interesting lyrics, um, and very distinct subject matter for the rest of the record, I feel like this song would get buried much easier. Ballad of a Homeschooled Girl is really interesting. It features more of the pop-punk guitars and distorted vocals that we've seen earlier on the record, but this time, a lot of the verses are kind of wrapped in a way, which is not something I expected to hear from Olivia, and to be honest, I'm not really sure I'm a fan of it. It takes the spoken delivery of a song like Bad Idea Right a little bit too far for me, um, but not to the point where it's like jarring and like just outwardly like offensive to my ears. 
Well, the song's title implies this is specifically designed to be about a lady of social troubles growing up homeschooled, which it is. Um, she does a good job, once again, of taking her personal experience, but framing it in a way that pretty much anyone with any sort of social anxiety can relate to. Her embarrassing admissions of Googling how to flirt is not unlike how I am, how I was, and sometimes still am, despite going to a large public school my entire life. I feel like as a straight cis man, it's not really my place to give an opinion on the uh, every guy I like is gay line. Um, I've seen a lot of discourse about that. Um, didn't really phase me much, but you know, I've, that's, that's definitely a weird lyric worth pointing out because a lot of people are talking about it. Um, but overall, I like Ballad of a Homeschool Girl mainly for its lyrics. The rock instrumentation, I still think, hasn't been as good as um, All American Bitch, which I probably should have phrased that as for instrumentation more. It, that's probably one of the, if not the hardest rock song of this record. Uh, and it really just rips front to back. But I do like Ballad of a Homeschool Girl, but once again, it's mainly the lyrics that are carrying this one. Making the Bed is a, a very like classic Olivia sour-style ballad. The song is mainly about how she does not want to be the person she is, and she pretty much hates everything in her life, no matter how objectively good it should be from the outside. It's a pretty bleak song, and I do like the sense of self-awareness I get from Olivia in this track. Um, she knows exactly how wild it sounds for her to have so little joy, even though she's one of the biggest stars of the world. And I think it's cool that she has this song about this, where she's acknowledging that, but also acknowledging that that doesn't change the fact that there's some things in her life that just feel really shitty, uh, and that's totally valid. In terms of ballads from this record well i think it's fine enough this is definitely the least remarkable and to me most forgettable of them on this record um but i still think it's a fine enough song speaking of sour style ballads logical is the peak of that um or one of the peaks of that i love the expansions of olivia's well-known sound from you know, the deviation she makes from her sound on this record so far, but obviously she has to give her fans what she likes, and I don't hate the idea of Olivia doing ballads um, as the intro to this uh, review, and maybe some of my comments throughout maybe have made it seem, I, yeah, I don't hate Olivia doing ballads, but um, I just kind of got worn out on them after Sour, so I am excited to see the ballads here and a song like Logical prove that she still owns this genre um, of like the whole singing in cursive kind of thing that people kind of dubbed this as. The theme of love never being ruled by logic is a good one um, in line with a lot of other songs we've seen on this record. However, Olivia uses the details of her personal life phenomenally on this track. Uh, the bridge is insane. All the girls you could, you, you know, talk about all the girls you could have had instead. I was too young. I was too soft. I couldn't take a joke. I can't get you off. That's 
fucking wild. That's a wild bridge. Um, and it, it stopped me dead in my tracks. Um, but the way she delivers this and sells this, once again, Olivia is an actress. She sells the shit out of this. Um, Logic isn't my favorite ballad. Logical is not my favorite ballad on the record, but I think it's really good. Um, and I think it really is, like a lot of these songs, a great example of how much Olivia has grown um, as a musician in these past few years. Next up, the song with the drums, which that's such a weird intro. Um, like there's other songs on this album that have drums. Anyways, I don't know why the person who has that has that, but anyways, um, getting back, complete 180 from Logical. Uh, it's a more anthemic, upbeat rock song about a toxic man, yes, but about getting him back. Um, if this is all about the same man, I frankly have no clue. Um, but it's a really catchy song. The gang vocals are basically forcing you to sing along. Um, it's so heavily, you know, designed to do that. I can just feel it. Um, I like how she plays into the double meaning of get him back, be it, you know, I want to get him back in a relationship with me, or I want to get him back in terms of getting revenge. Clearly, she wants both, um, and that's a pretty normal feeling that a lot of people, I'm sure, have gone through. The bridge is another one of those moments where I think she's a little too corny for my taste. The whole, like, I want to kiss his face with an uppercut line just was a little, a little too overboard for me. Um, and in theory, I would also complain about the formulaic structure of this song, you know, Verse, chorus, verse, chorus, quiet bridge, chorus with no instruments, final chorus. Um, but I think it's a good example of like a simple meal made well, um, and that's what this song is for me. It's a song that makes you want to sing along. It's a song that makes you want to dance. This thing is going to absolutely kill live, um, and I would not be surprised if this becomes another hit for the record. The final upbeat, more rock-oriented song on this record is Love is Embarrassing, and once again, in these last few tracks, as you can probably tell from what I've been talking about, we're going back and forth between I want him back, oh my god, how could I be so stupid, but, but I still want him back, oh my god, how can I still be so stupid, and it's this back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, um, which, if you expect me to criticize this inconsistency, I'm offended that you don't think I talk to enough real people to notice that this is really common. Um, just amongst everybody I've talked to, uh, the sting of one of those first lines, he kissed a girl from high school, is pretty much the constant of every 18 to 19 year old going into their freshman year of college. Overall, there's not really a whole lot to say about Love is Embarrassing that I have not said about a lot of the other rock songs on this record. Um, but I think it's a pretty good song. It's got relatable yet personal lyrics. Like I've said, it's just overall another really well-crafted song. Grudge is Olivia hitting us with one of her classic breakup ballads, and to me, this is the most one-to-one, -one, specifically with Driver's License on this record. Um, starting with that barren piano with a gradual build-up throughout the track. 
I am really glad this wasn't released as a single because it does sound so much like Driver's License and the other stuff on Sour that it would have turned me off of this record um, before I even heard the whole thing. But now that I'm hearing it in the context of the full record, I really like it. Um, she shows a lot of great moments here. We drew both drew cuts, but those were never equal. Probably is my favorite album. We both drew blood, but those cuts were never equal. It's probably my favorite lyric on the album, and it's kind of the one that made me stop and go like, damn, that was that was good. I also love her talking about winning arguments in the shower and like feeling so tough when she's alone, um, but not when she's in person with this individual. The chorus ending with, it takes strength to forgive, but I don't feel strong, is another one of her most powerful lines. These ballads also give Olivia a great chance to show off her singing skills, both on a technical level and on the notes she can hit, um, and just the control she has over her voice, which is incredible, but also just how well she can convey these emotions. Adding an indie rock, kind of indie pop rock song, this late in the album is an interesting move uh, on the next track, Pretty Isn't Pretty, uh, enough, but it proves that Olivia still has gas in the tank. As far as indie goes, I think this is pretty good. I love the guitar that kind of is droning in the middle of the mix, um, and I think Olivia gives a really good performance. Her voice suits this style naturally. The lyrics are pretty much what they say on the tin. This is a song about body insecurities and women. While these kind of songs are pretty common these days, I still think Olivia tackles the subject really well. The opening lyrics, I think, are the strongest, and put in your mind some pretty upsetting ideas, something along the lines of eating disorders. This song is less about society's beauty standards and how they're bad, and more about Olivia's battle to feel pretty in her own skin, um, which I feel like is just as, if not more, daunting. Despite normally not being a fan of indie rock, kind of think it all sounds samey, um, I think Olivia sounds really good here. I think it's a really nice change of pace on this record, um, especially right at the end to kind of show that she's still, well, as I said, got gas in the tank, she's still got ideas. Um, and overall, I think it's a really lyrically impactful and overall really solid song. Now we are at the album's closer, Teenage Dream. And in my brain, when I looked at this track list, uh, there was about a 50% chance in my head that this was a Katy Perry cover. It's not. That would have been pretty interesting, but it's not. Um, instead, we get one of, if not the most tragic songs of Olivia's career, especially for me, considering my situation and my age. Teenage Dream is a string and piano ballad that puts the spotlight on the lyrics of Olivia's anxiety about growing older. Olivia is a little less than a year older than me. I looked it up. She was born in like February um, of 03, and I was born in January of the following year. So we're pretty much around the same age. Um, and oh my god, this one hurts. This one hits hard. Um, as she talks about in the lyrics, the fear that you're no longer a child, there's no more learning your lesson, 
there's just mistakes. There's no excuses anymore. Um, and the idea that everybody's telling you you have your best years ahead of you, but, but what if they're not there? What if everybody was lying? What if that doesn't happen? What if you don't enjoy them? It may be kind of surprising to some people that there's so much existential dread in a song about leaving your teenage years, um, but in my opinion and just with my experience, I think it's a really accurate depiction of that feeling. I think some of the best songs to me, just in general, are songs that put into words a feeling that I can't um, verbalize. A feeling that I have a hard time talking about and communicating um, succinctly. A song that can cover that is truly something special, and I think... Teenage Dream is a great example of that. The instrumental explosion we get into the final chorus is the exact type of tap power I think ballads like these need, and a lot of the people who have kind of followed in the Olivia Rodrigo footsteps should be doing more of. Um, but yeah, I think Teenage Dream is Olivia's best ballad to date, um, and it's a great finale to this record. So... What's the verdict? Here's the thing. Um, considering all the time I have devoted to depths over the past two years and change, I was always anticipating this record. Um, as I kind of hyped out in the beginning, it's a pretty surreal full circle moment for me. Two years and 2,000 year, two thousand views later, um, coming back to Olivia was something oh, I was always excited for, and it's surreal that I'm no longer locked down in 2021 in my house recording off a computer that's was maybe older than I am uh, in my room and I am now in a professional podcast studio and doing this kind of thing and studying um, journalism like as a career it's it's a surreal moment for me as a creator um, and it is definitely something that's made me reflect a lot um, on this kind of experience, but all that to be said, I was really anticipating Guts. Um, did that mean I was thinking that Guts was always going to be good? No. Um, in fact, kind of the opposite. I didn't love Sour as much as a lot of people did, and I feel like that record is still kind of one-dimensional sonically and lyrically. But if that hits for you, that hits for you. For me, though, it didn't. Now that I've heard Guts, I'm very surprised that I was given the Olivia Rodrigo I really wanted. Um, because I just thought that, you know, maybe this wasn't for me, maybe her style wasn't for me. Um, but this is pretty much exactly what I wanted from a second Olivia Rodrigo album. Her dramatic, soul-bearing writing is still here, uh, but it's a refined in a way that's less likely to induce an eye roll for me. She covers a lot of topics here and is going all out, all the way through. These songs show Olivia taking a handful of styles, some old and some new to her, um, and excelling in all of them. If Sour's greatest flaw was its pacing, God solves it and then some. Uh, you know, to peek behind the curtain, I wrote this script in one day. Um, I listened to this album like three times on the day it came out. And regardless of what you think of Guts, it's just under 40 minutes on. It's very well paced. So it goes down pretty easy. And while I've complained about a lot of records being too short for their own good in the modern day, 
and you know I think adding an extra song or two to Guts wouldn't have killed it. Um, I still think there's enough breathing room in this record for this to be impactful and feel like a full album and a full cohesive project, um, despite how short it is compared to like the traditional 45 minutes that albums run. I'm super impressed with Guts. Um, I have my complaints here and there. It's not a perfect record. Some songs kind of fall a little short for me, but as you can probably tell by what I've been saying for the past 30 minutes, I really like this record. Um, it's really turned me around on Olivia, and it's an easy contender for the best mainstream album of the year. Perhaps it's just the shock that's making me be so positive, but Guts is the sophomore ex success that Olivia needed, um, and I've never been more excited to be wrong about her at first. Thank you so much for listening. That is it for Guts. What did you think of the record? Let me know um, anywhere you can, comments, reviews, whatever. Um, if you like this and you want more, you can check out the, frankly, massive Depths backlog. Um, you can go back to episode one, My Sour Review, um, which I've been obviously referring to a lot in this. While I haven't listened to that review in full for a while, um, because I do not need to hear myself talk. Um, it, it, it'll be a nice before and after picture of the evolution of Depp's music so far. I've also covered artists like Taylor Swift, Billie Eilish, and many others. You know, I've, I've, I've been able to not only go in-depth doing track-by-track -track reviews of these albums, but I've also covered a variety of genres to where if you go through the backlog, there's probably something you're interested in. Give us a follow on at Depths Music Cast on Instagram and Threads, at Depths Pod on Twitter. Yes, I'm still calling it Twitter. I don't care. And at NickCobe122 on all socials to see my non-Depths journalistic work, including written pieces, videos, and some interviews with some pretty awesome musicians. If you like this kind of content, I definitely recommend you know you go over there. Also, because I want. Um, if you're listening to this on the Post's website uh, or not, make sure to go to thepostathens.com, click on the podcast tab, and check out all the other wonderful podcasts on that site, including Keep Me Posted, a storytime podcast featuring the very talented Cassie Dye and myself, just kind of shooting the shit, talking about our lives. Uh, it's a much less formal podcast than Depths. I don't write seven-page scripts for storytime podcasts. Um, but still, it's a great time. Um, all right, so I've done enough shilling. Um, thank you so much for listening, especially to my never-ending list of plugs. Um, I've been Nick, and thank you for diving with me into the depths of music. I'll see you next time.